This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest, and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leaders voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Good morning and welcome to America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. And this weekend, we are truly honored to welcome a great American patriot and a tireless warrior for freedom and the rule of law, Congressman Mike Bost. Mike Bost serves as the ranking member of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, and he also serves on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. He represents the 12th Congressional District of the great state of Illinois. He is the son, grandson of veterans and the father and grandfather of two active duty Marines. Mike Bost served in the Marine Corps from 1979 to 1982 and he continues to advance pro-growth policies in America. He and his wife Tracy Bost are both successful entrepreneurs, job creators, leaders who understand the importance of fueling our nation's economic growth and serving our communities. Congressman Bost is a great supporter of strengthening America's relationship with Israel. And on this note, we welcome Congressman Mike Bost to America's Roundtable. A good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Congressman Bost. Joe and Natasha, it's always good to be with you. I'm so glad to be here today. Congressman Boss, this past week, we had a big announcement from OPEC Plus, the group of nations that export most of the world's oil with Saudi Arabia and other nations stated that it plans to cut production by 2 million barrels a day, leading many experts to predict a 20% increase or more in gas prices. And if that holds true, Americans will be paying well over $4 a gallon. And in California, for example, today the price of gas is $6.43 per gallon. And Biden is taking credit for reducing oil prices. But we all know too well that it's got to do and has a lot to do with supply and demand. And just recently, Democrat Congresswoman Rashida Clive from Michigan clashed with top bankers on Capitol Hill at a hearing after they rejected her demand to cut off all financing to fossil fuel projects immediately. And J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon told her, and I quote, that would be the road to hell for America, unquote. Congressman Bost, what do you make of the Biden administration's policies that have led to this energy crisis we face today in our nation? And what can be done to make America energy independent again? In 24 months, the poor policies of this administration on all issues has messed us up as far as, uh, as, far as inflation and everything like that. But when we start talking about fuel prices, this is clearly a case of just bad administration and bad policy. And there are a lot of things we can do. Remember, it was 24 months ago we were energy independent. Energy independent. That means that OPEC, uh, all these other countries that this administration is going to saying, oh, you need to produce. We're trying to figure out how in the world they were going to get rid of the oil they were producing because we were producing so much ourselves right here at home. 
So if we want to get back to it, one thing we need to do is we need to reverse the decision. I'm on a bill to do this. Reverse the decision on the Keystone Pipeline XL, which allows us to transport the crude oil uh, at a safe, uh, fast way. And it sends a message to our producers in the United States that we're serious about our energy policies. What we've also got to do is, is uh, there's a bill, H.R. 6235 out there, that ensures that the Secretary of Energy, if ever, okay, well, for, there's not much of it left, but if if the president, whether that and what becomes law, so it didn't matter with Biden or whoever president was, made a decision in a non-emergency situation to tap the U.S. oil reserves, our emergency oil reserves, which were at plentiful uh, when the former president left office, if, if the president, whether this one or any other, if we put it into law, taps it when it's non-emergency, automatic opening up of the, of the permitting process to drill in those areas where they have shut down the drilling, of offshore, uh, on, on public land, all of those things where we were drilling before would automatically open up. So these type things will send a clear message. Let me also, that, that HR 6856, you know, what that does is that that encourages uh, domestic oil and gas production and strengthens the emergency, uh, the American energy policies. So another issue that's out there, not only gas for our cars, but gas uh, for the heating of our homes and also generating electricity um, as natural gas uh, in one of the bills that was the stimulus, so they said, that would bring back and, and change the inflation issue, uh, that in that bill, they raised the tax on natural gas. So not only are you getting hit at the gas pump, now you're going to be hit and the electric production because of the way things are going in many states, and Illinois has a unique situation with their laws, but we need to make sure that this is put in place, that also our home heating and and uh, our, our energy production uh, as far as electricity can be helped. There's another bill out there that H Resolution uh, 1101 to, to express for the development of American energy resources. And then also H.R. 4414, which makes E15 fuel, renewable fuels, accessible all year. So that way, not only we're we working with fossil fuels, we're also working with the renewables. And why, why it is they always think that E15 is not, or uh, why ethanol is not a renewable fuel, I don't understand with our more liberal friends. But these are the type of things we can be fighting together to make us energy independent. And when we make ourselves energy independent again, you can automatically see that that will also reduce what is occurring with the inflation process. And there's also an international aspect to it. And uh, with natural gas shortages in Europe caused by reduced supply from Russia, Europe has been relying more on natural gas from the U.S. Right. So based on the data by the International Energy Agency, in June 2022, the EU imported more natural gas via ships from the U.S. than from Russia via pipelines. And while Biden administration officials have signaled that they would consider export bans on gasoline and diesel if shortages emerge in America, they ruled out ban on natural gas exports. So we desperately need both right. of them, gasoline and diesel domestically, and natural gas not just domestically, but also for exports to Europe. So, so Biden administration and Democrats are pushing U.S. oil producers to increase their output on one side, while pressuring banks and financial institutions to stop funding 
fossil fuels. Congressman Bowles, it is very hard to understand the reasoning behind these contradicting messages unless we are dealing with incompetence and unintelligence. What are your thoughts? I, I think it is incompetence it, it, because the only other option that could be it to make such poor decisions is you're wanting to break the back of the American economy for some other reason. And, and I hope that that is not the case. But that just enlightens the fact of why we need to take the House and the Senate to make sure that we can send those policies and we take it with a very large number so that it sends a clear message to this administration. Many of us question if the president himself is making these decisions. He's making it under some advice from those that are, are under him and who's really running the ship. And the concern we have is that they are so locked into their anti-fossil fuel thoughts that even though they don't even weigh out the science, they want to, they want to support science as long as it supports their issue. But the science of, of where we're at right now with Uh, electric vehicles and, and wind and solar. Hey, I am in support of wind and solar. I really am. But we have to have a base load for our, our electric production. We also have to make sure that we don't overload our existing power grid in this United States, by which is already on the verge of being overloaded when you start trying to block, block natural gas and other production like that. But if all of a sudden you then throw a tremendous amount of uh, EVs, electric vehicles, on top of that, which if we can get to the EVs, great, but somehow they are powered too. And if you think you're going to walk away in today's operations of where we're at in 10 years or 12 years or 15 years, walk away from the use of fossil fuel unless we find another fuel resource to, to tap. It, this is a pipe dream that only destroys the, the future for our children and grandchildren and swings the door open for our being, being vulnerable to those countries around this world who would break what it is America stands for and the freedom and everything like that. And they can do it through the economy. Uh, they can do it through strangling us uh, as far as business is concerned and never fire a shot even though I think some of them are ready to fire the shot. But, but we have to make sure that we are put ourselves in a strong position through our economy, but as well as our economy is based on the fact that we can actually have energy production and be able to produce the products and goods and services that are demanded uh, for a decent living here in this United States. Right. And Congressman Bowles, for millions of our fellow Americans, the American dream is becoming more elusive than ever before. Uh, families in America's heartland and the vibrant South are experiencing skyrocketing inflation, now at over 8%, a 40-year high. And Federal Reserve Bank, which has added to the economic turmoil by pumping money into the economy, continues to raise interest rates. Uh, the current average interest rate for a standard 30-year fixed mortgage rate is at 6.8%. 89%. This is the highest level since 2002. Right. For young American families, the dream to purchase a home has been shattered. And perhaps for the first time in our history, we shall witness the vanishing of America's middle class, as warned by Victor Davis Hanson in his book, The Dying Citizen. And let me just share a quote from his book. He says, and I quote, The result is the emergence of a new American peasantry 
of millions of Americans who own little or no property. The new majority has scanned, if any, savings. 58% of Americans have less than $1,000 in the bank. A missed paycheck renders them destitute, completely unable to service sizable debt. Most of what they buy, from cars to electronic appurtenances, they charge on credit cards. Uh, Congressman Post, what are the economic policies and reforms that you and your colleagues in the House of Representatives intend to implement early next year? And the big question out there is the electorate's decision for the midterm elections. Will we see economic changes if conservatives take over the House? Yeah, let me explain to you that that is the number one priority that's out there, and that's to fight the inflation. Not with a bill like what the president proposed, which was ridiculous and the damage that it's done, and, and there were, the, the list goes on and on and the damage that it would do. 8.3% is our last uh, months what we see on inflation. Now, the question we have to ask of the American people that are going out and making these votes, can you afford to lose a month's worth of pay? Because 83 to 8.5% of inflation is just that. Your buying power has de decreased by a one month of your year's salary. I know the people I know can't afford to do that. As what you said is true, it, it, it is going down this path with the inflation and then the raising of interest rates. Uh, because remember, uh, the people who will benefit from the raising of interest rates are the people that have everything paid off and they have to have the cash flow, okay? And they, they, they can actually loan money at that higher rate. Watch it because it can spin to a place where so many nations have got, and that is actually, there, there's only the haves and the have-nots. And we have to make sure that our policies are in place to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to excel. You know, we voted against the Biden spending spree because we knew, we knew, even his own economist said, except, except for those who are on his payroll, I guess, uh, said, if you go down this path, you'll have too many dollars chasing too little products, which actually spins us out of control. And then it drives us into a recession. Even if you change what your definition of recession is, we're still in the recession. So we've co-sponsored bills uh, that make individual tax cuts, bills several years a week, oh, they did, we'd make them permanent. We'd co-sponsor legislation to repeal the death tax permanently so that people can hand off to their children without the fear of losing uh, what they have, whether it's a small business, a farm, whatever. And you, you just don't get double taxed on a, on a family. You know, we've got to pursue these, each of these policies we've got to pursue as soon as we take majority to make sure that we bring down the inflation, that we bring down the interest rates on so that people can make that investment into home ownership, making their life better, uh, the, the freedom that we know here in this United States. I've got a little more gray hair and, and uh, I understand how that is because the years I was in high school, my sister was newlywed and at that time, she wanted to build a house. And my father told her, wait, rent, that is ridiculous with the interest rates right now. Do not do that. So we know what that feels like. Back then, her first home loan, because she refused to listen to my father, which is sometimes what younger people do. They don't always seek out the wisdom that is being given them. Her and her husband purchased their first home at 18.5% interest. 18.5% interest. But we can get to that point again. Yeah. And, and like I said early on during this segment, we, 
look, that's great, I guess, if you've got everything paid off and you're the one loaning them the money because you're, you're interested, you're, you're just burning up, raising money. But that's how you get to that point, the haves and the have-nots. And there's nothing out there to encourage the new young couple or individual that's fresh out of school to make the investment of home ownership and pursue the American dream. Or also, how about new young entrepreneurs that want to start growing small business or even grow and make investments to make a larger business? If if your money that you're taking in costs you so much that it breaks any profit that you would make, then it's not going to happen. And so these are the things we have to look at. We've got to change our policies, and we've got to get this administration to understand that it has to be changed. Mm. Congressman Mike Boss, as the ranking member of the House Committee on the Veterans Affairs, you have led your colleagues in passing bipartisan veterans bills. The mission of the VA states to fulfill President Lincoln's promise to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan by serving and honoring the men and women who are America's veterans. And for many of our Americans, we don't simply understand how big and how significant this is because there's 1,255 health care facilities that serve 9 million enrolled veterans each year. Congressman Boss, could you share with us the bills that you passed just a few weeks ago in Congress and how will it improve the lives of disabled veterans, student veterans, and their families and survivors? Well, we have a, we've had a couple bills that we've passed, but we've had se- several larger bills. Um, let me touch on two of them, and I'll expand on a third one if need be. So, you know, the vet- Veterans Cost of Living Adjustment Act, you know, what this bill does is it gives veterans a cost of living increase that matches the increases in Social Security. Right now, with Biden's inflation doing what it's doing, we can't all of a sudden cut away uh, those people who are dependent on, on their income that they're receiving uh, because of their disability income from serving us to keep us free. So this will make sure that their value of their veterans' benefits keep pace with inflation. You know, veterans and their families should not have to worry about how they're going to pay for their bills as prices go up under this administration. The other bill that's out there was improving access to the VA Home Loan Benefit Act. What did, what my bill would do was basically update and improve uh, appraisal requirements for veterans' home loans uh, to be in line with today's industrial standards. Uh, you know, this will make the process of a veteran to purchase a home, when we were talking about a while ago, more efficient and shorten the, the uh, appraisal time. Veterans and their families should have access to the resources that non-veterans have in order to get into a home as quickly as possible. You know, there's one other issue out there that we passed, and and a lot of the things that we're talking about whenever we take the majority is we've got to make sure that you you understand that it's more than just passing legislation. You've got to have oversight of the legislation you pass. Now, we passed the uh, PACT Act. And the PACT Act is basically dealing with those veterans who have been exposed to toxic exposures. A lot of people want to say burn pits. Well, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. When you're in the, you've served in the military since post 9-11, many of, the, of our uh, veterans uh, have been exposed to toxic exposures. What this does is it frees them up to get their health care uh, as quick as possible so that we can focus on those areas. If somebody's having cancer, is that related to their time in service? Get their treatment to make sure while we're doing the science, but it is a, a benefit to all post 9-11 veterans because we don't want to go down the path that the United States did when we felt with dealt out of Vietnam and Korea with Agent Orange 
and then the Blue Water Navy as well. So make sure that these people receive their benefits early, that we can actually use the medicine and the technology that we have to try to make them as whole as possible for their time of service. Congressman Bosta, according to Washington, D.C.'s chief medical examiner, when examining the 163 overdose deaths from January to May this year, 2022, fentanyl was present in 96% of overdose deaths. When looking at overdose deaths in Illinois and comparing the years 2015 to 2022, there has been a 133% increase from 13 deaths per 100,000 to 31 deaths per 100,000. And in the state of Mississippi, it was also the similar increase of 133% from 10 deaths per 100,000 to 24 deaths per 100,000. At the national level, more than 107,000 Americans died from drug overdoses in 2021, an increase of more than 15% from 2020. A DEA administrator Ann Milligram said in the August announcement, and I quote, Rainbow fentanyl, fentanyl pills and powder that come in a variety of bright colors, shapes and sizes is deliberate effort by drug traffickers to drive addiction amongst kids and young adults, unquote. A known fact is that drugs are pouring into America from the porous U.S. southern border. This week, the Washington Times stated that the migrant smuggling economy at the U.S.-Mexico border now tops $20 billion and the cartels have made at least $2.6 billion in profit over the past 12 months just from controlling the routes illegal immigrants use, according to its analysis. Congressman Post, if the Republicans win the House... In the midterms, what are specific ways that conservative policies and legislative action will secure our U.S. southern border from the avalanche of drugs such as fentanyl and the invasion of illegal immigrants? The most important thing is to understand how big this is. There's been 900,000 known gotaways. That's not counting the ones that get in and then, then move, they're moved around and they're, they're recorded. 900,000 gotaways. We don't know whether those terrorists, we definitely know that they're drug traffickers. There's a bunch of them. You know, we've got to have an effective border. You know, the fentanyl deaths you're talking about. If you ask what is the biggest killer of the persons between 18 and 45, you think, okay, cancer, car wrecks, drowning, all of these things out there. No, it's fentanyl. Fentanyl. Mm. It is now the number one killer of people between the ages of 18 and 45. Last year, enough fentanyl was confiscated at the border alone to kill every American seven times over. Seven times over. Uh, now, currently, the substance and classification schedule one substances is what that's called, okay? So here's some bills that we're putting together to not only deal with the fentanyl problem because it's already here, but then also deal with the, with the border problem. First off, H.R. 1259 is to keep President Trump's remain in Mexico policy in place. Now, the people that might be listening don't understand that. Right now, if, if a person's seeking asylum, they, they can only, they're only supposed to be able to seek asylum into the country that is closest to their border that allows them freedom and, and protection. So all of the people that are coming up from South American countries, if they get to Mexico, Mexico allows that. There should no, be no reason for them to come on in the United States. And Trump had a real strict policy. The policy should have stayed in place. Well, Biden released that policy, so the government of Mexico said, yeah, just go on across. So that way we don't have to deal with you. 
So then, then also we have HR 643, which is stop green lighting driver's uh, license for illegal immigrants, making sure that we're not supporting illegal immigrants. We Look, I want every immigrant that wants to come here legally to be here because this is a this is a nation of immigrants. We all are. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but we want to do it the right way. Uh, those that are pursuing the American dream, come on, please. and But do it the right way. Also, H.R. 1496 and H.R. 5759, that, what that does is it blocks illegal immigrants from entering the U.S. or keep them at, in custody if they've been charged with a violent crime. So many of them charged with violent crime, boom, they're just let out. And then all of a sudden they move into the, the United States interior and never to be seen again and let, until they commit another crime which is going to happen. I also co-sponsored two bills that make, make schedule a Schedule One classification for fentanyl uh, permanent. The fight against fentanyl is, 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 the only way we can halt it is to say it's a class one. And it is a class one. It's a killer. It's a killer. Now, let me also say this. There are certain people uh, that are in the medical field that want to look with us, and, and we're more than willing to look that there are things that might rate as fentanyl, which in the description of fentanyl, get the fentanyl description right, where they can use it in a medicating type situation that is required. But we need to have our medical people involved with that. But the sched- if it's not in that case, it needs to be that Schedule One drug. And in a final thoughts, do you have any specific message to Americans as they look at midterm elections and November this year and the future of America? Sure. And let me let me say this. We've, we've talked about the list of problems and everything like that that are out there and, and, and you can go on and on. And we as candidates and as Republicans are saying vote for us. And we are saying the Democrats have got poor policies. But we need to tell you what our policies are. And I, if your listeners would go, we released two weeks ago uh, the, the commitment to America, similar to the Newt Gingrich contract with America. Go online, look it up. Uh, you know, one thing I've been out in district is amazing the amount of people that are not hearing about it. And we're trying at every venue to get it out there because if we have to depend on our um, network television programs that always lean the other way to get that message out there, it's not happening. But it's vitally important that the people get online, tell their friends and neighbors about it, show, show where our plan is to get this nation straightened and back out and headed the right way. Congressman Mike Boss, we thank you so much for your continued leadership in fighting for our shared values and principles and and serving so faithfully. We truly appreciate all that you are doing uh, through you and your colleagues on the Hill. Thank you so much, Congressman Boston. We join you in actually inviting our fellow Americans to visit Commitment to America and to read all about your efforts and initiatives for post-midterm elections for legislation. We can save this nation if we all work together. Thank Thank you, you, sir. Thank you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lanza Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leaders 
leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.